Okay, so we've been doing um, some ideas in Pirkei Ovis for these couple of weeks. Um, the first week we did some ideas in Pirkei Aleph, and then last week we did some ideas in Pirkei uh, Revi, and that was connected to Lagba Eimer, Rav Shirin Bar Yechai, a Mishnah about Rav Shirin Bar Yechai. And today I want to look at a couple of Mishnayis in Pirkei Chamishi, uh, chapter 5 of Pirkei Ovis, which is the one that we just learned this past Shabbos. Um, as you know, the Shabbos is between Pesach and Shavuos. We do a Perik a week. So this past Shabbos was number five. This coming Shabbos is going to be number six, the last one before Shavuos. Um, so for today, I want to look together at a couple of a very interesting Mishnayis in, in Perik Hamishi um, with some beautiful insights of the Rebbe. Um, so Perik Hamishi, chapter five, which really, and I think I mentioned this the first week, in a way, it's really the last chapter of Pirkei Oves. Um, because as we discussed, Pirkei Avos is really a, um, a Masechta or a tractate that's made up of five chapters of Mishnayis. And then the sixth is really a chapter of Brisa, which was added to Mishnah in order to be able to have six um, chapters to learn bef- in these six weeks before Shavuos. So, in, therefore, in the real Mishnayis proper, Perik Hamishi is the last chapter. So, in Perik Hamishi, um, the majority of it is broken up into numbers. And that is the first number of Mishnahs deal with things that have the number 10, that are made up of the number 10. Um, Mishnah Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalid, Hey, and Vav all deal with things that are the number 10. The 10 utterances that the world was created, and 10 generations from Adam to Neich, and from Neich to Avram, 10 Nisim by Yisies Mitzrayim, um, 10 special things that were created um, at the beginning of creation, on the sixth day of creation. So the first section of the Perik is devoted to the number 10. The next section is devoted to number seven, a number of sevens, and Mishnah Zayin and Ches and Tes is is primarily about the number of seven. And then we go to the number four. And from Mishnah, really, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, deal with the number fours. And then there's a few more Mishnahists to round out the Perik. But the the majority of the Perik is broken down into those three numbers, things that are connected to number 10, things that are connected to number 7, and then things that are connected to number 4. So I want to take a look tonight at the number 4s, at the 4s in the Perik, and we'll see that they're very, very interesting and somewhat unusual, um, all of them. But before that, let's just talk for a moment about the number 10, 7, and 4. Now, in Torah, really, many every number has its significance, and really any number that we talk about, um, there's a famous song that... Um, Many people sing after the Seder, which go through the numbers of Echad Miyadeh from 1, 2, 3, 4, and go up to 13. And each number has its significance. And yet, the Mishnah here chooses to focus on these three numbers of 10, 7, and 4. What's unique about these numbers? And the Rebbe in a talk once gave a fascinating talk about 10, 7, and 4, and said how these are really the numbers that more than any are connected with creation and the world, the world as a whole. The world, the worldly, the the creation is very much um, connected or can be broken down into these three numbers of 10, 7, and 4. And that's so significant because our Avodah as Jews is to come here and deal with the world and work with the world and bring um, Shlemos and Tikkun, um, completion and correction and spirituality and holiness to this world that Hashem created uh, for us to really work with and refine and elevate and bring godliness into so where is there 10, 7, and 4 in creation? So 10. 10 is, as the Mishnah begins in this chapter, Basara Mamaris Nivra Ha'olam, the world is created with 10 utterances of Hashem. Which means that if you look in the Chumash, in the first parsha of creation, it says, Vayomer Hashem Yihi Or, Vayomer Hashem Yihi Rakia, Vayomer Hashem There is 10 such utterances in, with which Hashem created the world. Um, interestingly, if really if you look through the Chumash there, you only find nine where it says clearly what Hashem said. But the, as it's written, the Gemara says, Bereshis nami maimerhu, that the word Bereshis is also an utterance. So altogether there's ten. So the world is created with ten. And that's why ten becomes a number of shlemos, of completion in the world. Um, the reason that there's ten utterances is because it comes from the ten spheros of Hashem, um, ten attributes of Hashem. And that's why we as human beings, are also created with ten spheros, or ten attributes. And this is like a very a very basic teaching in Kabbalah and Hasidus, that every person is made up of ten. Um, 
the ten um, soul powers of a person started from Chachma all the way down to Malchus. Um, and that's, so, so the world and the person is all revolving around that number of ten. And there's a tremendous amount of tens in Torah. But ten, is, the basic building blocks of the world can be broken down to ten. So that's the number ten. Um, you move on to the number seven. And seven is also a very basic number in creation. So we have, although the Hashem created the world with ten utterances, there's seven days of creation, right? There's six days of creation plus Shabbos, which is their seventh, the seven initial days of the world. And in fact, that seven becomes the basic cycle of the world since then. Um, we're always, we're, we're uh, the cycle of the week is something that's been going on since creation. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Shabbos. And then you start over. In fact, interestingly, one of the great philosophical proofs that are used when people talk about the truth of the Torah is the fact that in the whole world, the week is make, made up of a seven-day week. And where does that come from? If not the Chumash, right? There's, the Chumash is the source for the fact that there are seven days to every week, and that's accepted in all cultures and all places in the world. And that's the seven building blocks of creation, the seven days of the week, you come to Torah, you have the seven years of the Shemitah. You have the seven Shemitahs of the Yovel. Now we're in the seven weeks of Sfirah Sa'omer that lead into Shavuos. So seven is a very, very basic number in creation. And starting from the seven days of creation, and then something that's cyclical that's been going on since then. And this has to do with the seven Midos that we have. And Kabbalistically, Hashem creates the world using the seven midos, the seven building blocks that are involved in creation. Now, it becomes an entire Kabbalistic conversation that before I said there was ten utterances, and it's based on the ten spheros of Hashem, and yet creation happens in seven days connected to the seven midos. Why ten? Why seven? That's, um, I'm going to say, beyond, we're not going to go into that right now. But suffice it to say that both ten and seven are two basic numbers in the creation of this world. Again, Asar Mamaros, ten utterances with which Hashem creates, and then that can become the ten attributes, and the ten attributes of the soul, based on Hashem's ten attributes. And then there's the seven Midos of Hashem, that are actually involved in seven days of creation, that create the cycle of weeks, and the cycle of years, and Shemitahs, and so on. Which brings us to the number four. Um, and four is commonly in Torah the Dalad Ruchos, the four directions of this world. Um, we know we say the Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. When we say Echad, the last letter of Echad is that Dalad, which is four. And we think about the four directions. Whenever, wherever we are in the world, there's always, you can look front, back, right, and left, or east, um, west, north, and south. In fact, some people, when they say Shema, move their head in the four directions. Um, and it's the idea of expressing Hashem's sovereignty over all four directions, Dalad Rucho Sa'olam, the four directions of this world. So that's really the concept of space, the space which is those four directions that are always are surrounding us. So the idea here being that these numbers, 10, 7, and 4, are, are three basic numbers that deal with the world and the creation of the world. Again, there's meaning and value to every single number. There's one, and there's two, and there's three. Every number has tremendous value and meaning in Torah, and a lot to expound upon. Um, but these three, specifically, are numbers that connote or reflect or represent the world and its creation. Ten utterances, seven days of creation, and Hashem creates the world of those four, the east, uh, north, east, west, north, north, and south, the dollar, rucha, sa'ilam, that we talk about in Shema. So therefore, these three numbers are the world, and of course, being our Avoida, is L'sakin Asa'ilam. Hashem creates a world, and on the one hand, Hashem creates this beautiful, magnificent world, and yet, incomplete, in a sense that it becomes our Avoida through the Torah, through the mitzvahs, that we should bring completion and holiness and refinement to this world. And that was really the first mission given to the first man, um, and his wife, Adam and Chava, where Hashem says, as the Pasuk says in the beginning of Bereshis, that Hashem creates them, puts them into Gan Eden, La'avda, Ulushamra, to work the garden and to guard the garden, which is the idea of the positives and the negatives, bringing good and staying away from bad, which is the Avoida of man in this world, um, being misaking, correcting, fixing, completing the world that Hashem gives us to do so with. And that's the idea of these three numbers that this, mish, this chapter in Pirkei Avis is very much predicated on. 
Having said that, I want to zoom to Mishnah Yud Aleph, Mishnah 11. We're going to do a few consecutive Mishnahis over here. If you have a sitter, that's great. If not, you can listen along. Um, of course, if you have the sitter, the Pirkei Avos is... Pr- I'm sorry? Rabbi, yes. Um, I, I, I went to Penina's house. I thought that she was there. Right. My luck. So I'm on my phone, but I want to go on on my computer. So could you let me in when I, when I get there? Yeah, yeah, I just, I just have to know, I just have to notice, but sure, sure. Okay, thank and you. And I'm, so, I'm sorry about that. Panina's out of town tonight, and I guess the, the notification didn't go out. The last few weeks, no one else came, but of course, when she's out of town, people come. That's the Seder, right? <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Um, okay, Mishnah Yud Aleph of Perik Hamishi. Again, if you're looking in a Seder, the Perik Yavis is after the Shabbos Mincha. Um, and in the off chance that you have the same sitter as I have, it's on page 226. Um, so this is Perik Hamishi Mishnah Yud Aleph. And it starts talking about different types of people. And it says, I'll read, Mishnah Yud Aleph. Arba Midos Bideos. There's four Midos when it comes to Deos. Deos is um, ways of people's, um, what's the exact translation? Uh, people, pe- the way people are, are, the composition of people or the Midos of people. And it talks about a person who's noach lichos v'noach lirotzos. There's a person who gets angry quickly, but is easily pacified. So this person, Yatsa hafseidei b'schorei, who says his, um, his, the, the, the good thing that he has, that he gets, um, I'm sorry, the, the fact that he gets angry is obviously not a good thing, that he gets angry so quickly, but the, the negative thing is outweighed by the power, positive thing that this person has, which is that they're pacified quickly. So even though, of course, it's not a good thing that a person, of course, it's not a good thing that a person is um, constantly getting angry, but the fact that they're pacified quickly, so their, their schar, the, the reward outweighs, the reward outweighs that which is negative. Um, then you have a person, which is kosha lichos v'kosha lirotzis. A person who it's uh, difficult for them to get angry, so that's a good thing, but once they're angry, it's difficult for them to be pacified. So that's a bad thing. Their positive attribute that they don't get angry too quickly is outweighed by the negative. That once they get angry, they don't get, they don't, they don't get pacified. So the, the person who gets angry quickly, that's no good, but at least they pacify quickly. The person who gets, takes a long time to get angry, that's good, but now they hold on to their anger. That's very terrible. And then it says, what about a person that's difficult for them to get angry and then it's easy to be pacified. That's a chassid. That's the most pious person. It really doesn't get angry. Even when they get angry, they pacify very quickly. And then you have the worst, which is noyach a person who easily angers, and then very difficult to pacify. And that's a rush. That's the arba midos bedeis. Four different, four different uh, temperaments of people. And again, the person who... Um, it's uh, easily angry, but easily pacified. The person who doesn't get angry that easily but then doesn't pacify. The person who doesn't get angry so easily and then pacifies quickly is the best, the chassid. Uh, the person who easily angers and is difficult to pacify, that's a rush. That's the Mishnah. It seems like a, uh, a little bit of a lesson in uh, psychology, this Mishnah. Now the question that everyone's asking the Fabrengan is that, of course, this Mishnah ends up with the Russia, the one who's the, the, the worst, the one who gets angry very quickly and doesn't pacify at all. So we're talking about someone who's, who's wicked, Russia. Now, you'll recall, when we talked about the introduction to Pirkei Ovis, we said that Pirkei Ovis is known as Mili de Chasidusa, which means ethics, beyond the letter of the law. Uh, Pirkei Ovis is not dealing with basic halacha. We said that that was a basic difference between Pirkei Ovis and the other, um, other Mishnayis. Other Mishnayis are more halachic. And Pirkei Ovis is ethics, beyond the letter of the law. So the question is, if we're talking about beyond the letter of the law, how is there a Russia here? How is there someone who's always getting angry and not being pacified, which the mission itself says that this person is a Russia? Russia means wicked. Wicked means that they're doing something wrong, something bad. Um, how does the Russia come into Pirkei Avos, which is all about Milsi the Chasidusa, this beyond the letter of the law, greater, we're talking about a higher level of you know, personal avoida here. And yet, it seems we're talking about the Russia. How do we reconcile this? Was the Rebbe's question by Fabrengan once when they were learning this, um, this parakim Pirkei Avis. 
And, and the Rebbe's answer is a very beautiful answer, a powerful answer. He says, the truth is, this, Mida, this Mishnah is talking about the temperament of the person, not the way the person is actually behaving, not the way the person is actually acting. In other words, if we're learning Pirkei Avais, we're talking about a Yid who is acting at a very high level of, of behavior. And even if they're angry, they don't act angry, and they don't show their anger. We're talking about a person who is in control of themselves, and is not expressing those negative feelings or expressions. But being that this Perik, this, this, uh, the, the tract, the, the Perik Pirkei Avis, is talking about beyond the letter of the law, we're looking into the person's heart and saying, even if when it comes to actual behavior, I'm in control of myself, and when it comes to actual behavior, I'm not expressing the anger. When it comes to actual behavior, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be pacified. But what's going on in the person's heart? So this Mishnah, when it talks about the Arba, Deo, Arba Midos Bideos, talking about these four um, temperaments, we're not talking about the person's behavior. The behavior is good. Again, this person is already a, a chassid. We're talking about milsa the chassidusa. We're talking about a person who's on a higher level of avoda. So when it comes to the action, be, the actual behavior, they're in control. But yet, what's going on in the heart is what we're looking at. We're doing a heart scan in this Mishnah. And saying, although this person is acting cool, calm, and collected, one person really got angry very quickly and pacifies quickly. One person got angry quickly and doesn't pacify. One person it took a long time to anger. All of these four temperaments. And being that we're learning Pirkei Ovis, which Pirkei Ovis is, again, Lefnimishur Sadim. So here, we're, this Mishnah is teaching us that even if in our actual behavior, we're doing the right things, and our actual behavior, we're saying the right things, we're not expressing those angers, a person who wants to work on their deeper level, on their on their lefnimishur, so I didn't be on the letter of the law, then they have to know that they have to deal with the temperaments of the heart and see to it that they work on themselves not to anger so easily and yes, to be pacified quickly and not to fester those negative feelings even if in action they're okay. So therefore, that's how he answers the question when he talks here about the Russia or the Chassid and so on. We're not talking about in in Maisel not in, in, in actuality, in behavior, we're talking about the midos of the heart, because learning Pirkei Avos is trying to work internally in our midos, even if in our actions we're in control and doing what we have to do. And that's how the Rebbe explained that idea in Mishnah Yud Aleph. And we'll see soon how that idea is going to carry over to some of the other, um, some of the other um, midos as well. In fact, in fact, I want to go backward one to Yud. By accident, I started one too. I started one too uh, late. Let's go back to Yud, Mishnah Yud. Arba midos ba'adam. Again, four midos. One, haomer shali shalach, v'shalach shali. Person says, "What's mine is yours. What's yours is mine." Total, you know, confusion. There's no boundaries. Whatever is mine is yours. Whatever is yours is mine. There's no boundaries. Says the Mishnah, "Am haaretz." That's like an ignoramus. It makes no sense. So everything that's mine is yours. Yours is mine. There's no boundaries. Ignorance. Shalish shaliv shalach shalach. What's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. Zumida bitterness. That's you know. That's sort of average. What's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. Veyashomrin zumida sdom. That those that say actually this can lead to something very negative. When there's this a person has an attitude. What's mine is mine and yours is yours. That is a total uh, separator between people. There's mine and there's yours and we don't mix. That can lead to sodom, which is a total uh, disconnect. Uh, no, no, no level of unity whatsoever. Okay, that's number two. Shali shalach v'shalach shalach chasid. The most pious says, what's yours is yours. I, it's not mine. What's mine, you can avail yourself of as well. Someone who's totally giving, totally altruistic, that's the chasid. And finally, shalach shali v'shali shali rasha. The person who says, what's mine is mine, and what's yours is also mine. And that's the Russia. That's the wicked one. That's like a, you know, that's like a, a one-year-old child and two-year-old child that just wants everything in the room. So for the one-year-old, it's cute. But as you get older, that's a big problem when everything is mine. And that's what the Mishnah says. And here, again, the Rebbe is going to come and ask the same question we just mentioned on the earlier Mishnah. Well, the later Mishnah, as we said it earlier. And he says, why are we talking about a Russia in Pirkei Avos? Same question. 
Again, the basic rule that the Rebbe would take as he was studying Pirkei Avis, based on Sfarim, based on, I think I mentioned, the Medrash Shmuel, Rebbe Shmuel Diuzida, Talmud of the Arizal, he says that's the basic rule of Pirkei Avos. It's mili de chasidusas, beyond the letter of the law. It's a higher form of avoda. Well, if so, why are we talking about a Russia? Why are we talking about someone who has that attitude? That was mine is mine and what everything, what everything belongs to me. Mine and everyone else's also belongs to me, which the Mishnah says is a Russia. If it's a Russia that doesn't sound like Pirkei Avos, it doesn't sound like Mili de Chasidusa. And the Rebbe explained it using the, really the same idea that we just explained when we said Mishnah Yud Aleph. And he said the following, and again, it's a very profound explanation, very beautiful explanation. He says, look closely at the Mishnah. The, the key word to focus in is that the person is Ha'omer. He says, Shali, Shalach, Shalach, Shali. So the Rebbe says, let's zoom into the word Ha'omer. We're not talking about a person who's acting on these impulses. We're not talking about a person who's stealing things from other people. He doesn't really take others and brings them to himself because he understands when it comes to um, behavior, yeah, there's mine and there's yours and there's boundaries, he gets it. We're talking here about a, a way of looking at things. We're talking out here about how, how the person speaks, what the person thinks about things. True, the person understands that at the end of the day there are boundaries. And there is mine and there's yours and there's theirs and there's mine. But a self-centered person really looks at everything and feels like it all should be mine. It's all there for me. Yeah, I can't have it because it's theirs. I'll behave. At the end of the day, I'll behave. I won't take what's not mine. But if you talk to me, you'll hear that I feel with that self-centeredness that everything is coming to me. And that's why it's called a Russia. It's a Pirke of this Russia. It's not a Russia. It's not someone who's actually stealing and not someone who's taking something that doesn't belong to them, but someone who has the attitude. The attitude, the, the way of looking at things and the way of expressing themselves that really everything is coming to me. And that's, that's why it's a Russia. But it's a, it's a Russia in Mili de Chasidusa in ethics and beyond the letter of the law because it's an approach. It's an attitude. We're not talking about someone who's actually acting on that attitude. And then, and the Rebbe says the same thing is the opposite. The, the Chassid in this Mishnah, the highest level, is the one who says, Ha'omer, he says, um, Shali Shalach V'Shalach Shalach. Whatever is mine, is, whatever is yours is yours, whatever is mine is yours. It doesn't mean that this person actually gives everything away. It doesn't mean that this person even has a lot to give. But their attitude is that if I have something, it's to share. If you have something, I don't have a right to it. If I have something, I'd love to share it with you. With that attitude, the one has the attitude of the chassid. And that's how, so that becomes the common denominator, both of Mishnah Yud and Mishnah Yud Aleph. I just want to um, conclude this, this, this idea. Both Yud and Yud Aleph, both of them, when you read them in their face value, it sounds like you're talking about some very negative people here. You have, the, in each one, there's a Russia. The Russia who says everything is mine, or the Russia who's always getting angry, not being pacified. And what the Rebbe is teaching us here is that the Russia of Pirkei Avos is a different type of Russia than we would commonly think. We're not talking about someone who acts negatively. We're talking about temperaments. We're talking about attitudes. And on, on a Pirkei Avos level, when one's attitude is such, even if they act in a fine way and they control themselves, that's the Pirkei Avos Russia, the one who's looking to change their internal workings, which is, which is what we're trying to work on when we learn Pirkei Avos. And we want to change our attitude of how to look at things. So in, in Mishnah Yud, it's the attitude of selflessness, the attitude of giving of ourselves for someone else, not looking, not seeing things that everything is for me, but to the contrary, how can I help someone else? That's the attitude that Mishnah Yud is trying to bring us to. And in Mishnah Yud Aleph, we're talking about the attitude of not getting angry. And if we get angry, to be easily pacified. And in fact, the idea of not getting angry is a very foundational concept, um, even in, in Gemara, but it's so much, so much more in Hasidus and Tanya, where the author talks about that a person who really works on their emuna in Hashem and their bitachon in Hashem never, never really gets angry. Because they always, if a person remembers every moment that everything that happens is from Hashem, and everything that happened had to happen, was decreed to happen, so the person doesn't really have the ability to get truly angry, and that's what Mishnah Yud Aleph is about, the idea that a person should have that, work on themselves internally. Not only not to express anger externally, which is step number one, which is a halachic step, but even internally, that a person should work on 
themselves that the attacker shouldn't get angry, and in the event that, that they do, to be able to be very quickly pacified. That is Mishnah Yud and Mishnah Yud Aleph. Let's go to Mishnah Yud Beis. The next Mishnah of fours. Mishnah Yud Beis. And this is a, an interesting Mishnah. It says the following. Arba Midos Bitalmidim. Four types of disciples. Four types of students. Mahir Lishma, Mahir La'abit. There are students who hear quickly and forget it quickly. They're very good. <laughs> they hear the concept and they forget it. Both super quick. So it says, well, Yasa Scharo Be'afseidu. Their, their positive um, gift here that they're quick learners is uh, lost because they're also quick forgetters. So although it's nice to be a quick learner, but if you're a quick forgetter, you don't gain very much from that. Then you have the ones, to the contrary, they don't learn that quickly. But once they learn, they retain it. Right? Kasha Lishma, they don't hear, they don't pick up that quickly. But Kasha Abed, once they hear, they don't lose it. And the Mishnah says that's better. This person's um, weakness is lost in their gift because the gift of retention is more important than the gift of learning quickly because they retain what they learned. Okay. You have a person who learns quickly and doesn't forget quickly. That's wonderful. That's a wonderful portion. A person who's a quick learner and doesn't forget very quickly. That's wonderful. That's the worst. There's a person who's a slow learner and then... Um, and then is a quick forgetter. So they, they don't learn that easily. And when they do learn it, they forget. Zechelik ra, this is a bad portion. And that's the Mishnah. Now, it's an interesting Mishnah. The question is, what's he trying to tell us? I mean, everyone knows that when you're sitting in any classroom, there's going to be different levels of intelligence of the people in the class. So what is this Mishnah? Just telling us there's different types of intelligences, different levels. There are fast learners and fast forgetters and fast learners and slow forgetters and slow learners and fast forgetters and slow learners and fast... Like, what, what's the idea? What's the message? What's the hurrah? What's the teaching of this Mishnah? The Rebbe asked enough I bring in. And also, what's this idea of it's a good portion, it's a bad portion, zechelek tov, zechelek ra. The wording is somewhat interesting. Instead of saying, well, this is a gift, what is, the, what is the deeper meaning? What's the lesson? What's the message of this Mishnah? And the Rebbe explains it and says the following. He says, he says, it's a lesson both for a teacher. All four steps are a lesson for a teacher. And all four steps are also a lesson for a student. Both of them. And he says the following. First, the teacher. So if you're a teacher and you have a student that's a fast learner. So you're teaching and the student picks it up like this. So you might think, Okay, I don't have much to do. I teach them, they know it, we're done. Says the Mishnah, no, because it's very likely that although they're a fast learner, they might forget it quickly as well. So as a teacher who's really concerned about their disciples, it's not enough to know that they picked it up quickly. I have to invest to see to it that after they pick it up quickly, they're also going to retain it. Because it's the job of a real teacher not only to get the information out, but to see to it that the student holds on to the information, learns from it, and grows from it. So therefore, the first step of the mission is telling the teacher, though you may have a student who's a very quick learner, you can't go to sleep. You, you can't just leave. You have, to figure, you have to make sure that they're going to retain what they learned as well. That's step one. Step two of the Mishnah. What if you're a teacher and you see a student that's a very slow learner? You might give up. What am I going to do? Slow learner. I can't get anywhere. Says the Mishnah, no. It's very likely that this slow learner is also a very, very good retainer. And that's the second step in the Mishnah. The one who learns slowly, but forgets slowly as well. So as a teacher, when you see you have a slow learner, don't give up on them at all, because they may have a more important gift. That although they're a slow learner, they're going to be a, a good retainer. They're not going to forget. So invest in that student. Okay, what about number three? Number three is the best scenario. The student is a quick learner, and a good retainer. They don't forget that. They don't forget quickly. What's the lesson to the teacher? Says the Rebbe. The lesson to the teacher is zechelek tov. This student has a good portion given to them from Hashem. Basically, telling the teacher, don't be so proud of yourself. <laughs> There's nothing to be such a big. Oh, I'm such a great teacher. Look, I have a student that's a genius. Well, excuse me. If your student is a genius, then that doesn't mean you're a great teacher. That means that they have a special gift from Hashem. And therefore, instead of the teacher being all excited that they have a genius for a student, they have to recognize that their job as a teacher is to do things which are not just to, um, is not just to teach the geniuses. 
A, a genius shouldn't make a teacher that proud because the genius is a genius without the teacher. The pride the teacher should get is from the child or the one who's more difficult to teach and is able to accomplish with. And that's the third lesson to the teacher, the third step of the Mishnah, telling the teacher, if your student is a genius and picks up quickly and doesn't forget, remember, Zechelek Tov, that student received a special Chelek from Hashem, and therefore it's not something that you really have the right and to, be, to feel so proud about that you're a successful teacher, you weren't that successful if someone walked into the classroom with all of those gifts, you didn't give them those gifts. Finally, what's lesson four? Lesson four is, is the student that has all the chesernis, all the problems, right? The student who can't, it takes them a long time to learn something. And once they learn, they forget quickly. So imagine you're a teacher and you have this student and you can't teach them anything. They don't pick it up. And once you, they finally pick it up, they forget. So the teacher can be very, very easily discouraged or upset or angry at the student or just... You know, totally discouraged. What does the Mishnah say? Zechelek This is what, this, it's not the student's fault. The student didn't do something wrong. This is their chilek that Hashem gave it to them, that, that, to that student. Which means Hashem, in Hashem's, only Hashem's, Hashem's infinite wisdom, Hashem created this student in this way, exactly in this way. So it's your zuchos as a teacher to work with them the way they are. And that's the idea of zechelek It's not saying zetal midra. It doesn't say he's a bad student doesn't say he's a bad person, doesn't say someone doesn't deserve to be in the class, recognize that the weakness of this student is the chilek that Hashem decided to give this student, and only Hashem knows why. Each person is given their particular talents or lack of talents. And therefore, you as the teacher, you become Hashem's partner to deal with this student with the chilek that this student has as well. The, um, the Gemara famously talks about a great tzaddik, one of the sages of the Talmud, his name was Rabbi Preda. And it says Rabbi Preda had a student that was so, it was so difficult for that student to learn that Rabbi Preda would have to teach a concept 400 times in order to get through to that student. Now, I don't know how many teachers there are over here, but to teach 400 times, that's a lot. And um, it says, the Gemara says that Rabbi Preda would do it. He would do it with patience, and with care and with diligence, he would teach the student, teach him again, teach him again. It says one day, um, Rabbi Preda had a he had to go somewhere that day. He had some type of an appointment, and he told the student, he says, "Please, do me a favor. Could you could you try to listen a little better and understand it a little quicker today?" And the student got flustered because now the student is trying extra hard, and after four hundred times, the student still didn't understand. And Rabbi Preda told the student, he said, I don't understand. You always understand it after 400 times. Why today not? And the student said, Rabbi, because you, 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 put the, you put so much pressure on me. You told me I should think quicker. I couldn't think. Rabbi Preda says, my dear student, I promise you I'm not going to leave anywhere until you understand this. You have nothing to worry about. And he explained it to him another 400 times until the student understood. Gemara says that this act was so great in Hashem's eyes that a heavenly voice came out and said, Rabbi Preda, for this you deserve a special reward. And you can have one of two options. One option is that you live till 400 years old. And the other option is that when you pass away, all the people of your generation will, be, will go into Gan Eden with you. In other words, anyone who passed away who's being punished, you'll be able, your zechus will be for everyone. And Rabbi Preda chose that all the people should go into Gan Eden with him. And the heavenly voice came back and said, you'll get both. And Rabbi Preda, according to Gemara, lived like a 400 years. But that's the, that was the, the ultimate teacher of the Talmud, Rabbi Preda, who represents that level of, um, of uh, patience and concern and love and care for his Talmud. Even the Talmud with the weakest, weakest capabilities and ability to understand, so much so as we see in the story. And that's the message of this Mishnah. So again, just to review, four messages in one small Mishnah that, again, typically we read the Mishnah and think it's just an interesting uh, Talking about Talmudim, what's the lesson? And the Rebbe gave here four lessons. Each step of the Mishnah is a lesson. I'm, I'm reviewing. The first lesson was the Talmud that learns so quickly, don't, don't be happy because you still have to, not don't be happy. In other words, don't be complacent with that because they might forget quickly as well. The next one that was learning slowly, don't worry about it. They might retain it well. Learning slowly is not a big deal. The next Talmud who does everything good, understands quickly and retains Says the Mishnah, okay, recognize that's a gift from Hashem. 
it's not such an accolade for a teacher that you were able to succeed with a Talmud who's a genius. And finally, the Talmud that has all the chesrenas, all the problems, can't learn, forgets, everything, recognize, he's not bad, he's not doing something wrong, he's not trying to frustrate you, that's what Hashem gave that person. And Hashem gives you as the teacher the ability to be a partner of Hashem and help this person to the level that they can be helped. Those are the four levels to the teacher. The same four lessons are to the Talmud also. Exactly the same four lessons. It's really the same thing, but just turn it around. A Talmud who learns very quickly, there are certain people, they pick up things immediately, very, very fast. What's the lesson of the first part of the Mishnah? Even if you pick it up very fast, that doesn't mean you're going to retain it well. You still should review it and so on and so forth. How many times do we have a student say, I got it right away, I got it. Okay, it's not about getting it, it's about retaining it. And step two, what about the Talmud who doesn't pick it up quickly? What does step two say? It doesn't matter. The main thing is how much you'll be able to retain. So even if it takes you longer to learn, as long as you bring it in and retain it, that's the main thing. Step three, the student who does everything quickly, they, re- they learn well and they retain it, and the, per- the student's feeling all arrogant. What does the Mishnah say? Zechelech Tov, Hashem gave you a gift. There's no, re- there's no re- a reason or room for arrogance because your success is a direct gift from Hashem. Use it properly. Don't be arrogant about it. And the student who does so poorly, it takes them a long time to learn, and they can't retain. They have to remember, there's nothing wrong with you. This is the way Hashem created you. You're meant to work with what you have, and you will excel with exactly what you have and fulfill the mission that you have in this world. And that's the four lessons, the four steps of this Mishnah, both for the teacher as well as for the student. Okay? Good. Let's, let's, let's do another Mishnah. Mishnah Yud Gimel. Another Mishnah of fours. Arba Midas Benos There are four types of people who give tzedakah. There are those who give, um, those who want to give, but they don't want others to give. There are those who want others to give, but they don't want to give. There are those who want to give and they want everyone to give. And there are those who don't give and don't want anyone to give. And again, the chassid and the rasha, the good and the bad, the, the steps. And of course, the Rebbe is going to ask, again, we're learning Pirkei Avos. It's ethics. It's beyond the letter of the law. What do you mean someone who doesn't give tzedakah? If you don't give tzedakah, you're going against halacha. And if you don't give tzedakah, you don't want anyone to give tzedakah, you're definitely going against halacha. How is this Pirkei Avos? What, what's the beyond the letter of the law here? What's the message? What's the lesson? And again, the Rebbe is going to answer in a similar vein to some of the concepts that we learned already here tonight. And he says, if we're learning Pirkei Avos, we're talking about someone who's giving tzedakah. Don't worry about it. They're doing what they got to do. We're talking about the attitude. We're talking about the feeling. Yes, one can give tzedakah, but one can give tzedakah with an attitude of, I wish I wasn't. I wish I didn't have to. I have to because I have to because, you know, that's the halacha. But I don't really want to part with what's mine. Or I don't want that someone else should. Or I want that they should and I shouldn't. Again, this entire Mishnah, the Rebbe reads in the Mishnah, it's not about whether one gives or doesn't. It's the attitude behind the giving. The feeling with which one, with, with which one gives. Do they feel, right? As, as, as the Rebbe teaches in a different place, the word tzedakah, which in English is usually translated as charity, in Hebrew is tzedek, which means righteousness, which means that tzedakah is the correct thing. Hashem gave me something in order to share it. But when we don't feel that way, we feel really it's mine. And it's being taken away from me because someone is asking for it and I really I don't want or I shouldn't be giving it. That is the attitudes that we're talking about here in Pirkei Avos. And that's the four different steps, whether the person doesn't want that they should give, they want others to give, they don't want anyone to give. It's all about attitude behind tzedakah. And again, following in the theme of Pirkei Avos, that we're not here to deal with what you should or shouldn't do, but rather with the attitude behind doing that a person has to work on having the attitude of the chassid over here in this Mishnah, in Mishnah Yud Gimel. The chassid who says, I want to give tzedakah, and everyone should give tzedakah. A person who has that level of piety, that's the lefnimishur sadin, that not only they give tzedakah, but they also have the proper attitude in how to give it, and to give it with that open heart, with a smile, and not only an external smile of the face, but a, a, an internal smile, a feeling of the, that it's a gift, that I'm re- a recipient of a gift, to be able to be Hashem's partner in giving tzedakah to people around me as well. 
That is Mishnah Yud Gimel. And again, a similar idea in Mishnah Yud Dalet, in number 14, where we talk about the Midos in Holchei Beis Medrash. The ones, it says, the, there's four types of people who go to Shul, who go to the Yeshiva. There's the one who goes but doesn't do, the one who does but doesn't go, the one who does and, I'm sorry, goes and does, the one who doesn't go and doesn't do. And again, same question. If you don't go, then you don't go to shul, then how are you in Perkeavos? Again, And it's going to be always the same answer. We're not talking here about the actual going or not going. We're talking about the attitude. There's someone who goes, but I don't want to go. It's such a schlep to go. Why do I have to go? And even if I go, why do I have to get involved? So there's, there's the schleppy attitude, and that's what Pirkei Ovis is talking about. Now, it's not enough to go, and it's not enough to do. How do you do, and how do you go? Now, I, I should say, because I have to say, of course, um, although everything we've been talking about is working by the attitude, of course, even if one's attitude is not in the right place, one should still do. Even if one is getting angry, one should act and behave properly. Even if one is not in the mood of going to show, they should go. But Pirkei Avos wants to go the extra mile. That not only I went, but that my attitude should be in that way as well. And that's really a theme that we've been learning both about the Midos and both about the anger and both about the Tzedakah. All of the Mishnahis, all the fours that we've been focusing on tonight are all telling us that it's not enough what we actually do, even if it's the right thing, but also to work on the deeper attitude because Lefnim Yeshua said, then beyond the letter of the law, is to be concerned not only about what we're doing, but how we're doing it as well. Okay? Um, one more idea, a nice idea, that from a different place, where it talks about both in Mishnah Yud Gimel and in Yud Dalit. And I'm going to take this from a different angle a little bit, but a, another beautiful idea the Rebbe once expressed. Um, Mishnah Yud Gimel again says there's four types of givers of tzedakah, right? The one who gives and doesn't want others to give, the one who, who wants others and not themselves, the one who wants they should give, and the one who doesn't give themselves or others. Obvious question. Why is it called Dalad Midos Binosne Tzedakah? There's four types of givers of tzedakah if number four doesn't give and doesn't want others to give. Then how is he Nosne Tzedakah? Right? And the same thing is in the next Mishnah, Mishnah Dalad. There's four types of Holchei Beis HaMedrash. The one who goes and doesn't do, doesn't, then doesn't go, goes and does, doesn't go and doesn't do. Then why is he a Holchei Beis HaMedrash? Number four, both in Mishnah, uh, uh, am I being clear? I'm not going too fast over here, yeah? Notice, both in Mishnah Yud Gimel and in Mishnah Yud Dalad, the fourth segment, the fourth type, doesn't. Doesn't give tzedakah. Doesn't give others, doesn't want others to give. Or doesn't go to shul and doesn't do. So then why are they part of Holchei Beis HaMedrash? How does, the, how, is the, how does the opener of the Mishnah fit with the end? Arba Midos Binosnei Tzedakah. There's four types of givers of tzedakah. And one is the one who doesn't give. There's four types of goers to shul. And one is the one who doesn't go. Then there's not four goers. There's three goers. There's three givers, not four. So... So one way to answer it is based on our previous way of thinking, because really all these people are doing and going, just not with the right attitude. That would answer that question. But in another talk, the Rebbe gave a different, beautiful explanation. And he says, when we look at a Yid, even if the Yid is not doing anything, they're not giving tzedakah, or they're not going to shul, how do we look at a Yid? We say, essentially, really, they're, they're a no-sin tzedakah. They're a tzedakah giver. It's just that they have a big yitz or haran, education or background or whatever it is, and they're not carrying out what their inner self is. But every yid is a no-sin tzedakah. It's just that some yidin don't get to express it because of a multitude of reasons. Every yid is a whole chebes hamedrash. Every yid is someone who really is a shul-goer. It's just that for some reason this shul-goer doesn't go to shul. And therefore, it's our job to try to help a person find and express their inner truth. But that's how the Rebbe sees these openers of these Mishnahs. Mishnahs, there's four types of shulgoers. One of them doesn't go. But that one who doesn't go is also a shulgoer. You know why? Because really, they're a Yid, and really, they have a Neshama, and really, they want to go to Shul, but for whatever reason, that inner desire of theirs is being stifled. But they're really a shulgoer. And every yid is a, is a tzedakah giver because that's the essence of a yid. Now, one of the types of tzedakah givers is the type that doesn't give any tzedakah. But not because they're not essentially a tzedakah giver. And the Rebbe says, this is a message both to each and every one of us how to look at everyone else 
and also for everyone how to look at themselves. Sometimes I might tell myself, I'm just not a tzedakah giver. Says the Mishnah, not true. You're a yid, you are a tzedakah giver, it's just you haven't been given. You are a shul goer, it's just you haven't been going. But when we know and always remember how Torah looks at our inner MS, then it becomes that much easier to work on expressing it properly as well. And that's how the Arab explains why these people are called the shul goer and, 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 the, and the tzedakah giver, even if, um, even if they're not... Uh, even if they're not, even if on a practical level, they don't seem to be doing it at this moment. At this moment, um, famously, the Rebbe would quote often a Rambam that talks about um, a person who, a person who's a very, very nasty person, doesn't want to give a get. His wife wants a get, and and he doesn't want to give it. And unfortunately, we all know such stories. And the Rambam says that if the Bezdin says he has to and he doesn't want to, the Bezdin has the right to beat him until he, they force him to say, I want, and then they give again. Halacha. And the Rambam asks the question, Rambam himself, what's the, what's the value of beating someone until he says, I want? He obviously doesn't want. So if you need him to verbalize, I want, and what's the value of a verbal, I want, if he doesn't? And the Rambam here says, again, that quote that the Rebbe would always repeat. He says, because really, essentially, we believe that he does want. Because that's, cause that's what Hashem wants, because that's what Torah says he has to do. It's just that his Yitzhahara is, 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 is covering over his real desire. So the Bezin has to beat him just to help him reveal what he really wants. And that's how, that's how Torah and especially Hasidus looks at every person, every person wants to do the right thing. And every person is a shul-goer. And every person is a tzedakah-giver. Sometimes it's not being expressed. And that's what the Mishnah is telling us. We have to work on expressing, finding that inner truth and inner uh, goodness that each and every one of us has on our own. Okay, let's quickly just for two, three minutes jump into the next and final four, which is Mishnah Tesvav. Mishnah 15, and there's one more um, number four here in the chapter, uh, also a fascinating one. Arba midas There are four types of people who sit before the sages. There's the sfog. The sfog is a sponge. Takes everything in. Mashpech, like a funnel. <laughs> takes in from one end and goes out the other end. Mishameras. Mishameras um, is able to, uh, it loses the wine and just holds on to the sediment. And then there's the, um, the nafa, which retains the finest flour and loses everything else. Four types of students. One who takes, soaks everything in like a sponge. Another student is one that takes in one ear, not the other. Doesn't retain anything. The third student retains the sediment. They retain all the... They only, they, after class, they only remember the jokes. That's it. And the fourth one is able to retain the finest flower and leave everything else out. Again, fascinating Mishnah, but what's the message? What's the idea? I mean, telling us that, again, people, human intellect works in different ways, and some students take everything in, some take, students lose everything, some pe- students only retain the sediment of the class, and some retain the finest flower. What's the teaching? What's the teaching in this Mishnah? And, um, and again, over the years, the Rebbe gave various fascinating explanations to this Mishnah. Um, let me share one or two, time, time allowing, we'll see. One, a very powerful teaching, and that is that when we learn, there's really four steps of learning. And all of these are four steps in our own learning something properly. And here goes. The first thing that we should learn, when we're learning from a teacher, learning a, whatever area of Torah, we're learning something new, the first thing is to take it all in. Just take everything in. Because, you know, even before one has the ability to analyze and, and to really think it over and and decide how it affects the person and so on, to, to just soak it all in every single word. Just open your mind and take it all in. And that's the sponge. So the way the Rebbe is going to teach us now, it's not four different students, it's four steps in how to learn. Number one is take it all in. Now, once I've taken it all in, I'm t- it's time for n- number two, which is to throw it all out. Meaning, like rethink it all and recognize that on the first, the, on the first uh, go, I don't really understand it because I just picked up information. Now I have to like just recognize that every part of it I don't really understand well. When you when one moves on to the second level of learning and they analyze, they recognize they really didn't understand everything. They really didn't understand anything because anything I picked up the first time around was very, very um, shallow. 
So that's number two. When I when I like I become like the funnel that I recognize that everything I thought I had, I don't really understand it. And I, I pour it all out to start over, to start over on a deeper level, to try to comprehend on a deeper level what I picked up the first time around. It's like the second time we learn the Sikha, the third time. Suddenly we understand it on a whole different level. So after I took it all in, I now recognize that I don't really understand it at all. I have to start over. And then I start over trying to understand something on a deeper level. And I, I'm not going to really get to it the first time. I, I analyze, I might come up with wrong conclusions because now I'm an, uh, you know, going through the anal- analysis and, and contemplating and, and weighing it. So step number three, I come up with all types of conclusions that are probably not even true. And that's like step number three, when I hold on to the sediment. But ultimately, I come to the fine flower. And that's as I learn something again and again, and I review it and I think it over, finally I start getting the fine flower, the finest ideas behind it. And that's it. It's a four-step, four gradual steps of study. From the initial, I got everything, till I get to fine flower, there are steps how a person comes to it. And that's why in Torah especially, we're told to review and to learn it over. Just like Pirkei Avos. Um, I know that everyone's muted, but I know, I'm sure for all of us, how many times have we read Pirkei Avos? Many, many times. Every year again and again and again. And as we learn it again and again, we might be time number 30, 40, 50, 60, we recognize that we pick up new ideas and new insight. And that's what this mission is telling us. Learning is a process. Although when I was 10 years old or 5 or 20, I learned it the first time and I thought I got it. Yeah, on one level I did. But then it's time to move on to the next level and understand it on a higher and better level further and further. And that's really how the Rebbe explained this Mishnah, that it's about four steps of learning. Um, you know, in the two minutes left to us, I'll give you one last idea on this Mishnah. Um, another idea the Rebbe says is, that this is about learning and teaching. The first step is, when I soak it all in like a sponge, I have to take it into myself. The next, I become a funnel, is to teach it all to someone else. Right? Because first we learn, but as Yidin, we're never happy just learning myself, so my first step was the sponge, to learn it, but then my second step is the funnel, to give it over to someone else. But then, step three is, sometimes I can't give over everything I learned to someone else, because they're not up to it. So I have to give them just some of the basics. And sometimes I learned it on one level, but I'm giving it over to a student who might not be at that level at all. So I'm giving them like the sediment, the lowest level of what I learned, because they're not up to it. But ultimately, I have to pick them up to the point where I'm able to give them the finest points that I learned. And that's the fourth step. Where we're able to give the actual flower. So that this mission of these four steps are four steps in learning, retaining, giving over, and giving over in different levels as well. And the mission is taking us through those four steps. So all of these fours have obviously a lot more meaning than their first, um, the first initial glance of seeing them. And this is some of the ideas that the Rebbe gives us about the fours of this parent.